0: Welcome into the latest episode of the show before the show podcast the official podcast of minor league baseball. We are recording this segment as the third of our four recorded today. Uh, it's already been a nightmare with hotel internet for me. And uh, I look slovenly today. I've got like a beanie on. I'm a disaster. I don't know why you two lower yourselves to record this show with me from week to week. I'm Tyler Mon, Benjamin Hill and Sam Dykser in New York City. Hi, fellas. I just
1: assumed you were doing your taped audition for the next season of Fargo. Like that's just not what I thought you were going for. I'm in the You're...
0: wrong Dakota.
1: You're in the wrong Dakota.
0: I'm in the also, southern isn't...
1: one. Yeah. Isn't Fargo like the show mostly in Minnesota? Yeah, this season is. Uh yeah.
0: I watched the first episode. I was like, man, this is gonna be really good. And I've forgotten to watch it since. But the first episode of this season was very good. Well,
1: you gotta do more research before you get your audition in. That's true. Know. That
0: is true. You know, it's a fun alone that. is not enough. So I was in. The real Fargo just a few weeks ago, the wood chipper from the movie Fargo, the wood chipper, um, uh, n- 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 prop that's the word I was looking for is actually in like the Fargo Tourism and Visitor Center in Fargo, North Dakota, which is fantastic. And if it wasn't like negative 30 degrees when we were there, I definitely would have gone to go see it because that was be <laughs> very cool. I was ah. worried what else were you going to say on that. You're like, if it wasn't so cold, I would have. I would have I would have thrown this hat and hoodie in there because I look horrible today. Uh, ben, what's going on, man? How are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing all right. You know, um, I don't think I have any major life updates to share. Um, I'm just rolling through my life in the first week of February.
0: That's good. Staying warm. I feel like that's all you can do in the first week in February. It's just like try to stay warm and roll through life.
2: Yeah, I I try to come prepared with like a good anecdote, and I forgot this week. I got nothing. It's okay. I'll, I'll do better next week.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, well, we welcome you into the latest episode of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. You can uh, find us wherever you found us via uh, MILB.com, MLB.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. And uh, get in touch with this podcast at MILB.com. I got an email today. Through podcast and MILB.com Which was like some sort of form email About handling troublesome employees And I figured it was about YouTube
2: It was from thought-
0: MLB but it was from some other organization that was like, if you need to get rid of Ben and Sam, here's how you go about it. And I was like, filing this away for later. Yeah,
2: Tyler's like, well, there's a
0: wood chipper on <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't worry, I know where to go. Way ahead of
0: you. Way ahead of you, people. Uh, we got a fun show coming up today. Uh, in just a little bit, we'll be joined by Michael Clare of MLB.com to talk about uh, some new and fun developments around the world of international baseball, including uh, one with the Hudson Valley Renegades, who have uh, put together a very cool initiative uh for this 2024 minor league baseball season and then uh, we'll hear from the uh, the Reading fight and fills about some stadium renovations that we talked about a little bit last year uh, and uh we'll cover again today as those near their completion uh but guys let's dive in with uh some news uh in a quiet time of year there is a big football game coming up this weekend Uh, american football um i don't know i'm assuming there's something also going on in like the premier league but there's a big american football game coming up on sunday i'm not sure if you guys know about it but uh there is a story uh tied to that game one of the quarterbacks in that game very famous baseball connection with his father that's right ben brock purdy's dad tell us about brock purdy's dad and a little baseball tie
2: Yeah, I wrote about this for my newsletter this week. Subscribe to the Ben's Biz Beat. It'll be a standalone uh, little story on Friday on MILB.com. But Sean Purdy, and I didn't know about this until, actually, until the Gwinnett Stripers put out a tweet a couple weeks ago that said, hey, this is Sean Purdy, Brock's dad, and uh, he played his eighth and final season in the minor leagues with the Richmond Braves, which was the predecessor in the Braves AAA system, uh, you know, to Gwinnett. It's the same team that franchise relocated. Um, and I was like, really? Brock Purdy's dad played minor league baseball? And so I looked into it and found a podcast that he had done in 2019 or so where he talked about his career. So got some quotes from that. And because uh, I didn't think I'd be able to, the week of the Super Bowl, uh, be able to track down Brock Purdy's dad and be like, hey, you want to talk about your minor league baseball career? Um, so yeah, I looked into his minor league career, used the podcast for some uh, hints and clues as to what to track down. and he played, uh, I believe eight seasons in minor league baseball. He was drafted uh, four times over a five year span and only signed uh, you know that fourth and final time. He went to he's from Florida. Uh, he went to two smaller schools in Florida before then going to uh, University of Miami playing for the Hurricanes his junior and senior year, then finally was drafted by uh, the Angels uh, out of college the fourth time he was drafted, and signed with them. He played for uh, the Palm Springs Angels, who were the predecessors of the uh, Lake Elsinore Storm, and uh, then he played for the Lake Elsinore Storm in their inaugural 1994 season. Uh, he also spent some time uh, in uh, Midland, I believe, in A. And uh, he finally, after about five minor league seasons dealing with some injuries, got to Triple A. He was selected in the Rule Five Draft um, by the Giants. They took him from the Angels, and the Giants gave him, his, uh, eventually gave him the, his first shot at Triple A with the Phoenix Firebirds. And he played uh, pretty well, pitched pretty well for them. He was a right hander, uh, was more a starter at the be- beginning of his career, and then uh, moved into more of a relief role. But he was doing well uh, for the Phoenix Firebirds in 1997, their rumblings in the clubhouse, and that he was going to get called up. But then the Giants traded. They made a big trade with the White Sox that netted them um, Roberto Hernandez, Wilson Alvarez, and Danny Darwin. And uh, that fulfilled their big league pitching needs. He never got called up, um, even though uh, he was on the verge there. Then he signed with the Braves organization as a six-year free agent, and started that year in Richmond, again, was on the verge of getting called up, had a sub-2 ERA uh, through the first couple months of the season. His agent called him and said, hey, hang tight. I think you're getting the call. And he said, hey, you know what? I think my arm's hurting right now. And uh, turned out he needed surgery. He was shut down for the season, rehabbed throughout that season, uh, but then uh, ultimately said, you know what? I think I'm done with baseball. So, in especially in '97 and '98, Sean Purdy was very close to getting into the major leagues. Uh, never quite made it. Uh, then he retired uh, at, the, at the age of 29. At that point, he'd had his first child, a daughter named Whitney, uh, who was followed by Brock, and then the third Purdy. Shaba. Chubba, he goes by Chuba, given name uh, Preston, former but, uh,
0: Nebraska Cornhuskers quarterback. He just trained, yeah. So
2: they're all Perfect. great athletes. Uh, I think at that point, you know, he was more interested in being a family man and he'd started a uh, spa business in Arizona that's still uh, in business today. It's like the fantastic spa outlet in like Mesa, Arizona. Uh, so you can, I'm sure they're getting better at business now that you that people are like, whoa, I can buy a. Hot tub from Brock Purdy's dad, you know, so go to Mesa, Arizona and buy a spa from Brock Purdy's dad, Sean Purdy, who had a pretty decent minor league baseball career. Never, never uh, touched the majors, got really close, but um, I thought that was interesting. I usually I feel like I'm on top of those kind of random connections and had not uh, realized it till A tweet from the Gwinnett Striper. So thanks, Gwinnett. And that gave me some uh, big game content uh, as we wait for the big game on Sunday.
0: We can say Super Bowl. We're not selling ads based off the Super (laughs) Bowl. I think the title of this episode should be Go to Mesa, Arizona and buy a spa from Brock Purdy's dad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can do it. He is not sponsoring this podcast. I can tell you that much.
0: Yeah, former Phoenix. That's true. true. Yeah, we're not giving this advertising away for free. Or Mesa in Phoenix area listener base. Um, well, that is a very cool story. It's up on the side right now. Uh and uh Ben, let's pivot. We got a uh, a new alternate identity from Bowling Green, a squad that has always done a good job with rolling out alternate identities.
2: Uh previously the Blind Cave Shrimp, correct? Isn't that a bowling green one of yours of, of your? Well, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, uh, that ballpark, I believe, opened in 2008, 2009. I think maybe it was built in 2008. The team started in 2009. Um, they had a name the team contest that ultimately uh, resulted in them being named the Hot Rods, which is a reference to uh, you know Corvette having a manufacturing facility there. Um, but one of the finalists in the name the team contest for Bowling Green was the Bowling Green Cave Shrimp. And I remember at that time, I was a young blogger. But even having, like, the cave shrimp as a team name was kind of like, ha, 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 they will never do that. And, of course, they didn't. But little did we know that within five, six, seven years, that the names that we were kind of laughing as sort of jokes that we knew the team wouldn't actually select actually did become oftentimes the names that would be selected. Um, So cave shrimp was ahead of the time and at least suggesting that possibility. But cave shrimp was a reference to a species of blind shrimp that live in uh, the caves. Uh, of the Bowling Green area. Mammoth Cave, the largest cave system in the world is only about 20 miles from Bowling Green. Uh, There's other smaller caves in the area. When they built that ballpark, there's some strange configurations with like the visitors clubhouses being in the outfield. And part of that is because of the, I'm no geologist, although my dad actually is, but I don't I don't follow in his, his footsteps, but because of sinkholes and the the network of caves in that in that area, the ballpark itself was built in a way where they didn't want to dig too deep in certain areas because of sinkholes. Um, so caves um, are a big part of the Bowling Green area. And so their new alternate identity riffing on all this is not the cave shrimp, although I believe they have been the cave shrimp on a what could have been night type promotion. Now they're the cave men. So you can indulge in all the stereotypes of our, you know, prehistoric Neanderthal brethren, um, you know, with uh, the, the name and logo and that sort of thing while simultaneously, you know, referencing the fact that uh, – Falling Green is home to a lot of caves. So they've got the cavemen now. Um, Pretty good alternate identity. My favorite that that team ever did, of course, is the sinkholes, which commemorated the time that a sinkhole opened up underneath the Corvette Museum and, and swallowed like a bunch of Corvettes. And now I was told if you go to that museum now, and I wish I'd done this when I visited last year, I just must not have had the time. Good job, dude. But I believe they put like plexiglass or some super strong seal over that hole but you can look down into where the sinkhole opened up i believe they leave the corvettes there i believe there's some that were never rescued and you can look down until their abyssal void of a new home the caveats
0: well now i know our summer road
2: trip this year (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh there's they've always done a good job they have there in bowling green with that kind of stuff but now we got the cavemen they just introduced that today as we were speaking uh thursday february 8th and if you're listening to this on february 9th you'll say hey they did that yesterday
0: all right you guys uh well ben tee up uh we're gonna hear from mike we're gonna hear from uh redding uh give us a lowdown what's coming up
2: yeah we got a lot of stuff i, I want to get to one more uh, alternate identity um because when i went to binghamton last year you know i did a uh i called in with you guys for a segment on the show in which i was standing in a uh Public park in Binghamton, New York, right by a gazebo that was dedicated to Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone, because he is a he grew up in Binghamton, and uh, the carousel in that park was used in a famous episode of the Twilight Zone, as was that gazebo in the public park. And I know in the past, Binghamton, back when they were the Mets, they did some Rod Serling theme promos. They haven't in recent years in their Rumble Ponies era. But they have a new identity as well, inspired by the Twilight Zone. They are the creatures, and it is inspired by the episode of Terror at Twenty Thousand Feet, which was, uh, I believe, William Shatner actually starred in that episode. Yes, I think it was did. a more later era Twilight Zone. It's um, also very well spoofed
0: in a Treehouse of Horror Simpsons episode.
2: Yes, I think like so many things in our culture, my first reference point was via the Simpsons. Uh, uh, like so many of us, Tyler. Uh, what, where would we be with our knowledge of America and American exactly. pop culture and American history without the Simpsons? But uh, I think that's a good one to note as well. The Binghamton creatures and, you know, I could just keep going and keep going, but we already have a jam packed show. As you mentioned, we have two guests. Who are we getting to first? Mr. Uh, Mike, Mike Clare. Michael Clare. Yeah.
1: Let's do Michael Clare, uh, who is a roommate of Ben and me uh, sits very close by is the guy to go to for international baseball coverage. He wrote about how the Butanese baseball community is being honored at Hudson Valley this summer. So here's us talking to Mike Clare.
2: We are now joined on the show before the show podcast by our dear colleague. He sits right near Sam and I every single day, just mere feet away, often calls us slime balls, but that's neither here nor there. He is also an expert on international baseball. His name is Mike Clare or Michael Clare. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's, for formality's sake, because this has been a very formal (laughs) introduction, call him Michael Clare of MLB.com. He's on the Global Baseball Beat. And uh, we want to get into your beat in general a little bit. But first of all, because this is a minor league baseball uh, podcast, the Hudson Valley Renegades and the country of Bhutan have announced a partnership with Tom Baseball and the Hudson Valley Renegades in Fishkill, New York. Maybe not something we ever thought we'd be talking about, but here we are. You wrote a story about it, you know what's going on, and, and we'd love to get your perspective.
3: Yeah, awesome. I mean, uh, thank you for having me, slime balls. Uh to <laughs> <laughs> uh, need uh, that story, honor.
0: by the way, before long. I'm gonna need the slime ball story, but anyway, <laughs> we can continue with this
3: before. I mean, listen, it's just what uh it's what you call dear friends, right? Yeah. Uh you know, my I, when I, when I answer the phone for my mom, I sometimes call her a bag of rocks, and she'll uh, she'll say that to her friends, like, my son calls me a bag of rocks, and she'll be laughing. and they're all like, "What's wrong?" With him? <laughs> so, you know, it's said with love. Uh, but no, Bhutan baseball, Hudson Valley Renegades. Yeah, it's this—it's this really cool event. Uh, you know, with minor leagues, it's always tough to say is this the first of its kind, the only of its kind. But it—it it does seem like it's—it's a—it's a one of a kind. Um, you know, they—they they saw the story that ran in August, which really it was Matthew Desantis, the co-founder. Uh, you know, he founded Bhutan baseball ten years ago with Karma Dorji, and then Ramon Riesco has joined up since then. But he took this amazing photo of the Timpu uh, red pandas playing in front of the giant Buddha statue there in Bhutan. And naturally that photo blew up. It's it's like Spalding's photo with the baseball players in front of the Sphinx, but even uh, so that photo blew up, that went everywhere. So the renegades saw it. Their first plan was just, how do we get caps and and jerseys to these kids? And then it became something much bigger where it's let's have a night for Bhutan baseball. Let's raise money. The money they raise is to bring players from Bhutan over. These players, they love baseball. There's six thousand players there right now, uh, if my numbers are right, and they've never seen a professional game. You know, there's not, you know, just Matthew Desantis told me there aren't really credit cards, so. MLB LBTV isn't even a thing. So they've just seen highlight clips and they love the game. So when they come, the, the plan is that they'll see a Renegades game. There'll be a night for them. They'll, they'll throw out the first pitch. Before that, they'll have a, a clinic on the field. Uh, they'll also get a clinic in the front office to show that, hey, you might not, you know, be a, a future big leaguer, but there's still work that you can do in the sport. Uh, then they're going to come to New York City. We're going to show them around the office. And then the plan is that they'll hopefully go to a Yankees game. And uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get a, a little tour of of uh, Fishkill New York and, and the glory of baseball.
1: And, and I kind of want to go back to that photo that started all of this. Because that really did – it was one of the viral things of baseball last year. And showed just the global reach of it. But you had your hands on it first. Like when you got that photo it was like, all right, this is something we're gonna include in this story. What was your initial reaction?
3: Oh my God. I mean, it was jaw dropped, you know, because every story you're always saying, Hey, can you send any photos? And and Matthew was like, Hey, I'll, I'll go take some photos. It's like, oh, don't worry about it, you know, whatever you have is gonna be great. Uh, and what, you know, most of the stuff they have on their, you know, Twitter and Facebook and everything is graded, but it's, you know, kids playing, uh, in these little fields, with the mountains behind. So when I opened up a file and as we now see from the new article, that there is a collection of these photos and you have fog rolling in off of these lush mountains in the background. This, statue And you're go pronouncing it right gho it's it's these robe like um things that that is traditional bhutanese garb so they're playing in those for the photo and he he you know the one we used is as the ball is flying in the air but there's now a collection of them and it is just man i've seen baseball in a lot of places and i've seen ai now try and put baseball a lot of places and it doesn't compare to what they actually captured
0: I was just gonna say that really is true. It's a it's a very good um way to describe it because you don't think of the juxtaposition of things like a baseball B the traditional clothing that they're wearing and see that massive buddha statue uh in the backdrop what were some of the reactions that you got from i mean people i saw people you know across the baseball spectrum sharing that photo and then in turn sharing the story because you know it's one thing we're used to seeing baseball in in uh countries in asia that are more traditional baseball countries so if you see something in oh there's mount fuji or these kids are playing in seoul or something's going on in taipei that thing you're kind of accustomed to seeing it in a country that a lot of people have probably never heard of in the first place in Bhutan uh, what were some of the you know the bigger reactions that you got or some of the people that you remember reacting to it
3: I mean I've heard from some of the people here that major leaguers sent DMs saying hey let's go there what do they need what do we got to do I'm not going to say the names I don't want to you know out any of them Um, but that's always incredible Uh, you know Just everybody saying this is the photo of the year. This is the greatest baseball photo ever taken. And to, you know, I, I, you know, this is the boot. This is, you know, Bhutan baseball. This is Matthew's photo. But to have gotten to play a small part in something that I do think 50, 100 years from now the next type of person who writes stories like this is going to stumble on this photo and be like, what did, what did I just find? This is the coolest thing. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was an amazing reaction and, you know, totally warranted As, as a writer. It's also fun to know that no matter what you do or ever write, uh, if a better photo is <laughs> will be remembered <laughs> over anything else, yeah, what we do doesn't matter. No, anyway. <laughs> I could have written one sentence that said baseball's in Bhutan. And Look at have this done picture, just, well. with
0: just an arrow <laughs> yeah. pointing up to the photo. Exactly, bleeding. I
3: didn't have to do anything with the story,
0: <laughs> Mike. One of the really cool things is Bhutan is not a big country, it's uh, not even a million people. Um, And you said, you know, 6,000 kids are playing right now, it's a pretty substantial portion of the population. It reminds me somewhat of, you know, the way Iceland has, uh, has made such a huge stride on the world stage uh, in soccer, not being a big population, but making big noise uh, at the World Cup and such. Obviously, we're a ways off from Bhutan doing something like that. But for a sports community in a country that is not known for said sport to then get the epicenter of that game infatuated with their variety of baseball, what's the reaction that you've heard? I would imagine people in Bhutan, kids playing you know, administrators, families, I would think if I was one of those uh, participants in that community, I would be stunned by the reaction uh, from uh, the American side, and especially from MLB.
3: Yeah, I mean, everything I've heard is that this is so overwhelming, uh, in a good way. But you know, they're like, we did this for 10 years on our own, just plugging away using our free time building this out. And uh, yeah, so it was it was just the fact that all of a sudden things happen so fast and it's a great time for this WBC's done so well, Olympics, 2028. So now they're talking about restarting the national team. There's discussions with Baseball United to get a Bhutanese player onto the rosters, uh, you know, when the the league starts up, which would be the first professional Bhutanese baseball player. Because they've been doing this 10 years. So a kid who was 12 years old when they started, is now 22. And they're seeing now, too, that the first wave of kids are now coaches. And, um, you know, for that, they got a RepSoto machine. You know, it, it costs so much money to ship things there and, and you know, get, get it into the country. And now they have data analytics that they can share and use to, you know, make the next wave of players even better so uh what matthew kind of said was that in you know but before they went viral these were all wishes and now they're kind of coming true
1: yeah and this taps into something that is basically your beat now is just world baseball i mean nobody i know nobody i follow nobody i know personally uh covers it like you do literally around the globe you know you've covered games in the czech republic you've covered games in germany with tyler you know world baseball classic qualifiers european baseball championship how has your view of the game changed in the way you've covered games you know teams in asia teams in europe teams in south america
3: yeah i mean uh it's it's really eye opening and you know tyler knows this if, the, if there's anyone who knows the international beat really well it's tyler um one of the things is you're constantly learning you know there's but w- what i've found is that the baseball community is this amazing community and you can be united through the love of baseball. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure it's the same with soccer and American football. And, but I just happen to be obsessed with baseball. And so it's baseball. Um, But, you know, I've, I've met, uh, you know, people all over the world who love this sport and who are making supreme sacrifices, you know, here in the States, we take it for granted that it's, on ESPN and that, you know, we can have an office here with hundreds of employees and, you know, you go to other places and it's volunteer based or even, you know, it's not much money and you're working a day job and you're, every vacation you're doing is to play baseball and do baseball things. And your wife and kids, you know, are part of that, but that's just, that's just your life. And so as someone who loves baseball to meet people who love the game, but are willing to sacrifice so much to love the game. Uh, it's always really rewarding. And the other thing I'd say is that the, t- the level of talent around the world is a lot higher than I think we assume. Um, you know, we, we get it into our heads that, uh, you know, America, Japan, Latin America, Korea, like those are the, the, you know, maybe the main hubs of baseball, but no, there is professional level play, in countries where there isn't professional baseball because they're working that hard and they're bringing coaching and they're bringing, um, and and that's your thing too, about the baseball community, the players and coaches that have played, they love to teach it to other people. They love to bring it around the world. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that unites us and, and gives me just a,
2: honestly a, a rosy view of the planet. Well, tied in with that, Mike, um, you recently, uh, launched a newsletter. Yes. And it covers the world. <laughs> yes. Yes. Literally the largest beat that could possibly <laughs> exist. Yeah. Well, fortunately I'm not doing
3: it all on my own. The, you know, we, we have this new newsletter, uh, it's called international beat. Uh, it comes out once a month. Um, but, you know, we are expanding international coverage here because it's a big deal. And we saw through the success of the WBC and and things like that, that there are international baseball fans. The way a soccer fan follows England or the U.S. women's team, there are people that want to follow international baseball. So there's about 10 or so writers here that are also specifically... Uh, You know, adding international coverage. We I just finished editing a story on Chinese Taipei's cheerleaders that I think is going to be really good. We have a Czech Republic story running next week. Uh, You know, we've we've got a story on the first Netherlands an EU developed player. After that, we've got stories on Japan. So uh, it's it's really incredible, and and I'm so thrilled that we have a bunch of writers working on this. And uh, yeah, there's there's great stories. Every rock you turn over leads to four more stories, and uh, so it's it's really gratifying to be able to do the work and and hopefully share it with you know people who who feel the same.
0: As soon as Mike posted that he was launching it, by the way, I didn't. I I stepped away from the writing side of this gig after the World Baseball Classic qualifiers when Mike and I first met uh, in Regensburg in 2020 two but as soon as he launched it i dm'd him on instagram and i was like so how do i get back i will immediately jump back in if i can join (laughs) just this beat if we can nerd out on this together i'll immediately jump back in on that
3: it's the dream it's a dream right there
0: yeah
3: (laughs) well we'll we'll
1: end on this one uh a lot of minor league teams listen to this we've now seen hudson valley bring over butanese or they plan to this summer what is the next like minor league promotion you would like to see involving international baseball.
3: Oh, wow. That, this, is, this is your opportunity to pitch it. They're that team is a, to that is a great one. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, everybody knows how I feel about Czech baseball. Martin Trubanka came so close. I think we should definitely have, uh, a Czech Republic night have Svichkova, uh, being served on the concourse, you know, have the players rocking, uh, you know, have them wear the, the Czech extra league of jerseys. Uh, but I also was just having a conversation about Argentina and is Argentina the next big country kind of behind Brazil for, you know, where they, you know, might show up next. And there is a winter league there. Um, uh, any, any, any minor league team that wants to do anything international, bring a little food over, bring some players over, uh, you know, just, just show that the the international game is, is, is there. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to top Bhutan with that photo and the cool, you know, dragon Jersey they were able to make. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Do you guys, is, is there an international team that, that speaks to you that you think should, should be done?
1: Well, I, you know, being Dutch, I've always wanted t- more teams celebrating the Dutch team and the fact that it is one of the, ones that's consistently in WBC. I mean, like something like Brooklyn or, or well, not Staten. Staten Island is independent now, but like, I would love to see more tie-ins with that. Uh, maybe get D.D. Roris in for a game, like just to t- tell people what the game is like there. I don't know, Ben,
2: do you have one? Um, no, I-, I like the world equally. I, I try not <laughs> to pick favorites. I feel I don't want to, you know, let my ethnocentric uh prejudices uh, influence what I might say. I just want the entire world to be covered. But also the world is huge and it's the biggest baseball beat yet so far, but it's nothing compared to the infin- infinite vastness of space yeah and that's why we need uap
3: disclosure now that's right.
2: really why i'm on the bank. right
3: we don't know if they have
0: baseball and other galaxies yet or not we can't didn't we can't rule that out i think that's the big point there and
3: that's and and also under the oceans we don't know right. what whales are doing in right. the mariana trench if, so. Lan-
0: if atlantis existed know. maybe they were playing there <laughs>
3: Wow. Incredible. Sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm it's not sorry
1: at all. Incredible.
0: I'm actually very glad that I was talking over that joke because I didn't hear what Sam said. And based on your reaction, it was one of those Sam jokes, wasn't it? <laughs> yes.
1: oh. You want me to do
0: it again, Tyler? I'll do
1: it again. We'll do it again. I said they're all submarine pitchers down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hope the oh, clip man. that they
0: edit out of this podcast is me face facepalming. Uh, Un-
3: unbelievable. Uh- you know, last year, just to say about the minor league stuff, uh, Pakistan played uh, a couple games, I think against India. I might be wrong, but there was a, a small tournament with an independent league team in, in Illinois, I think. Um, so, you know, there-, there-, there are things happening. There's things percolating. And, uh, yeah, uh, I-, I-, I made a great friendship with a... With a barista one day while wearing my Pakistan hat. He's from Pakistan. We talked for a while. We talked baseball. is was great. That's that's the goal of all this. That More is conversations.
0: One of, my, one of my favorite things in the world is when, and we've talked about this with minor league hats too, but when you just strike up a conversation with somebody because, oh, I recognize that place or that flag or that logo or that whatever um and that's that's one of the the coolest things to me about baseball and um mike for uh for those of us who are eagerly awaiting uh the next edition of the uh the international uh beat newsletter when when can people look for it how can people sign up for it and most importantly when is somebody going to give you and i the funding for our international buddy comedy tv show where we just travel around and we do all of these things
3: yeah, the last one, I'm still waiting to get hit by a Rolls Royce and uh, get a I, settlement on that. That's okay. my plan for funding. I'll give uh, the next news, <laughs> the next newsletter, it's going to be end of the month. Uh, you know, it's once a month where we, you know, c- cover a story. Maybe this month we'll cover the first no-hitter in the Caribbean series since 1952. Last night! Very last exciting night. stuff
0: for Venezuela. I surprisingly got to watch that in my hotel room in Vermillion, South Dakota, because there is a Bally's... Uh, network affiliate uh, in this region. And I flipped it on. It was like the third inning. I was like, oh, I'm absolutely watching this game. And then it was the first no-hitter in the Caribbean series since 1952.
3: Oh, man. What what a time to tune in. Uh, what, what a game. What a performance. Uh, so, yeah, it comes out monthly. We're, we round up the, the stories we run. And to uh, sign up, just... Uh, you know the the beat newsletter sign ups on MLB search Google that'll lead you to it uh my Twitter should have the link up there somewhere and if it's not I should go and actually change that to add that there uh and yeah sign up and you know once a month we're not gonna fill your inbox and uh you know let's uh let's bring baseball the to the to the globe or baseball's already around the globe let's just you know highlight it
0: let's hammer it home for everybody who doesn't know that it's around the globe, but it it's a we very exciting few years uh, on the international calendar as well. Uh, later this year, China hosts its first ever international baseball event uh, on the global stage with the U23 World Cup. Premier 12, which is the top level international tournament outside of the World Baseball Classic, is later on this year. Next year, we're already back in World Baseball Classic qualifiers because the next classic is in 2026. And then, as Mike noted, the Olympic Games in 2028. Baseball will be back in those as well, along with softball. So, a tremendously exciting time for international baseball. And uh, Mike Claire, you can find Mike Claire stuff all over at MLB.com. When Mike and I finally got to hang out, this is one of my big regrets of 2023. Uh, we got to hang out in Fredericksburg, Virginia for Home Run Derby X. I was leaving town at like five in the morning the next day. And then the day after that, I had to fly to Taiwan to do an event to do a world cup. So I didn't get to like actually hang out with Mike and I've regretted it like every single day since. Uh, But when I posted on Instagram, I said every time I get a push notification from MLB and I read it and I think, Oh, I'm going to love this story. Invariably it's a Mike Clare story or a Matt Monaghan story. Those two dudes crush everything. Go find all of Mike's work at MLB.com. You're the best man. This is so I said, when you signed on, it's great to not just be stalking you on social media and to see your face on my computer screen.
3: Uh, I mean, listen, I regret that you left early also. That's my. Baseline, so. <laughs> uh but no, I mean, I, yeah, I love you guys, and uh, yeah, thank you for for having me on, and it's uh, it's great to join you slime balls, uh,
2: <laughs> you know, anytime. Well, just about a year ago here on the show before the show podcast, we did a theme episode about ballpark renovations and featured five teams uh, that were undergoing renovations at their ballpark. One of them was the Reading Fightin' Phils, who, as we speak now, are in the final stages of a massive ballpark renovation, uh, some major fan-facing elements. Uh, It's one of the oldest ballparks in the minor leagues over 70 years old, and it's entering a new era with these renovations and it costs something like forty five million dollars. So one of the uh, biggest expenditures as well. So a lot going on. And as we are getting closer and closer to opening day, we wanted to check in and uh, get an update on what what's going on and uh, what we can look forward to. So to that end, we have Jake Starr, the media relations manager and broadcaster for the Reading and Phils. Jake, thanks for being here.
4: Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, always a pleasure to talk and happy to chat about the renovations and a lot of exciting things coming here to Reading this season.
2: Yeah, well, to start, and, and we again, we did cover um, the renovations somewhat a year ago, but if you can just go first before we get into the specifics, you know, the larger impetus for um, undergoing this big set of renovations at the ballpark.
4: Yeah, for sure. I Obviously, the biggest core of the whole thing is the new rules put in by Major League Baseball a couple of years back in terms of spaces and what's required for player development and what the players need throughout their minor leagues. Uh, so, you know, one of the main purposes of the building was to, you know, provide those spaces for our players, you know, starting this year and moving forward. Uh, the building is on the player development side is going to feature uh, brand new clubhouses, batting tunnels weight rooms, eating areas, female locker rooms, mental health and recovery rooms, pretty much everything that, you know, you need to have. And then plus uh, a lot more, which is going to make it really nice. And we're excited because once everything's all finished up for this year, uh, it's going to make it one of the nicest, if not the nicest uh, clubhouses and just player development facilities across minor league baseball. And that's something that we're, Really excited about so really at the core of the renovations. That was really the, you know, the big point of the whole core. And we're just you know, really excited for our players, visiting players and everyone involved in the player development side for the state of the art facilities they're going to get this year and moving forward.
2: Yeah, and $45 million, um, the largest in the history of First Energy Stadium, which opened in, I believe, was it 1951? Yeah, uh, I want to say. So, uh, yeah, 73-year-old ballpark. Obviously, it's had renovations through the years. This is the largest ever. $45 million is one of the larger price tags, you know, of all the ballparks undergoing renovations right now, uh, most of them for the reasons that you just articulated. Uh, so what was the the funding like, um, just in a broad sense, you know, getting uh, the various pieces of the puzzle in place to, you know, make this kind of investment?
4: Yeah, uh it came from kind of a variety of areas, obviously, uh, some state, uh you know, local as well and obviously you know the Phillies and ownership also everyone kind of chipped in and played a big role with this. So you know just super thankful to everyone who's you know put something in and played a role in, in making this entire thing possible. Cause you know, 45 million is a lot, but in terms of you know the scale that we wanted this to be and the success that we, you know, envisioned for this, we knew it was we were going to need, you know, a lot of assistance from a lot of places. So we're, you know, really fortunate and grateful that we were able to get that. And we're able to put on such an impressive and large-scale project that we, you know, have going on here.
2: Yeah, and the focal point of this renovation, uh, certainly from the you know fan-facing side of the equation, you have a massive new structure on the outfield concourse, the Redners Event Center, which is, if I read it correctly, about fourteen thousand square feet all told. Um, so this will, you know, transform this ballpark, you know, again over seventy years old in quite a major way. Um, what can you tell us about the Redner Event Center?
4: Yeah, absolutely. The Event Center is, you know, divvied up into a handful of different spaces, and the main big space is our main event area on the second floor of the Event Center. That space, at you know, at most can be configured for, you know, a lot of different events, weddings, banquets, bar mitzvahs, trade shows, expos, meetings list goes on and on, and when it comes to just a typical banquet-type wedding setup, it can fit as many as 550 people. Uh, It can fit over a 1,000 people when you're going more of a meeting-type, presentation-type look. So it's a very versatile room that can be used for a lot of different types of events on both game and non-game days. Of course, game days, uh, if someone wants to run out the entire upstairs 550-person space, they're absolutely more than welcome to, you know, over 6,000 square feet of space alone in that upstairs main area. If someone wants to have a wedding on a game day, they absolutely can. Or a bar mitzvah or a big grad party or retirement party on a game day, they can. Also, uh, with game days, another thing that they can do is it can be broken up into suite-like pods. And those sweet like pods, you know, if you have maybe a group of 50 people or 80 people, you can purchase one of uh, multiple pods in that event space. Uh, and you can get the same thing, catering, bar, uh, and a chance to go to a game. So very if you're looking for more of like that sweet type feel, uh, then you can purchase one of those pods on game days. And then, of course, the advantage of the event center is that it's not just active on the 69 days when the art films are home, On all the non-game days, you know, 365 days a year, technically speaking, it can be active. So someone wants to have a wedding when the team's on the road, or if they're having a bar mitzvah in November or December, they can do so. The, The venue is open, as we said, every single day. It can be used any day of the year. It's not just surrounded around baseball, which is really nice, and it gives... County where we are, the Greater Philadelphia, Allentown, Lancaster, Harrisburg, like that region, it gives it another really pristine event space that you know it hasn't had something of this caliber before. And outside of that main event space, we also have a couple of you know smaller auxiliary event spaces. The uh, both clubhouses in the off can be converted to smaller areas. So if you're looking at Grad party, retirement party, showers, uh, smaller scale events, smaller scale meetings. Uh, You can use one of those smaller areas. And also the batting tunnel will be something that will also be able to be converted for more medium-sized events. If you're looking at something like 150 or 200 people, you can do something in the batting tunnel. So it's cool. Because like I said, like that upstairs, you can use game days and non-game days. Uh, The possibilities are really endless for what you can do. And I, and I think the really cool appeal of it is if you're a baseball fan, I I think just the thought of, you know, maybe you're not getting married at a game, but the thought of having your wedding where, you know, if you don't, if you, if you don't care about the baseball aspect of it, 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 you know, you don't have to, right? Like you can just kind of turn your back, close the blinds, and it's still a pristine event space, regardless if it's at a baseball stadium or not. But if you are a big baseball fan, like I, I think just the draw of. Having this beautiful event space and having your wedding at a baseball stadium, even if it's in November, I I think's really cool. Uh and, and I and I think too, even for smaller scale parties, right? Like if you have a kid who's graduating high school or college and you're gonna have his grad party in in say, you know, say it's a December graduate from college, and you're gonna have his grad party in what's typically the R Fail's Clubhouse. I think that's a cool appeal to say, like, yeah, my grad party is where the next great Phillies all will uh, I'll step through. So another there's a lot. Uh, I know I kind of rambled here a little bit, but uh, a lot of different spaces, a lot of different uses, and it's gonna it's really versatile, and there's gonna be a lot of great opportunities for fans, or even if you're not fans, just people looking for events alike to host in the event center.
1: Yeah, and Jake, and whether it's one of these you know improvements that's happening this off season, or just in general, there there are gonna be people listening to this show who you know might want to put Reading on their 2024 calendar as they make baseball road trips what's the first thing like i said whether it's a new thing or something that's always been there that you would recommend people check out first whenever they get to first energy stadium
4: yeah i mean there's a lot uh obviously i i think one of the appeals of the stadium and and even with the new event center and the new video board and everything involved is that it still has its very old-timey feel Uh, And even the event center is going to be very modern, but like the brick on it, the layout still kind of is along those same lines. Uh, And and obviously, uh, you know, if you're checking out Reading, if you want to check out the event center, that's something you're going to have to, you know, book in advance. Obviously, it's not one of those things where it's you you can't come up day of game and just, you know, purchase a ticket and and go in there. So, you know, if you're if you're mapping out a road trip and you want to maybe check it out and get with a group or something like that and get in the event center you know you definitely can but even even event center aside there's still a ton of stuff to, to check out here in reading when coming to a game throughout the year obviously i mean tons of different areas tons of different kind of foods to try buffets and then of course the you know the, the typical appeals the crazy hot dog vendor the veggie race uh you know the whole nine yards uh the mascot band that's most saturdays during the year fireworks shows so you know, definitely a lot of things to check out. But in terms of like, you know, the non-event center appeals, obviously there's the new video board this year, which is going to be absolutely immaculate. But, you know, a lot of this stuff's just the, you know, the typical uh, traditional stuff that we've done for a long time here that's kind of brought fans out to the ballpark. Like I said, the hot dog vendor, veggie race, you know, so on and so forth that I, I think is really what makes this place special and exciting for fans that come out here, especially if you're you know road tripping and trying to map out where you're going to go.
2: Wait, are the cheeseburgers still shaped like hot dogs?
4: Uh, Yes, that's there. Uh, (laughs) We, of course, have the uh, the churger. Uh, I don't know if that's something that's been talked about before, but it's like a chicken sandwich and a burger, like all together in one. Uh, So that's another uh, cool novelty. And then, of course, you know, the hot dogs, if you want to keep it simple, the Burks hot dogs are always popular, uh, always a special treat when people come here because they, you know, just taste a little bit better uh, than any other old hot dog. uh, Those Burks hot dogs.
0: Jake, one of the things I love most uh, about that ballpark is it feels so uh, modernly classic, if that makes any sense. Um, to be in a position where you're doing, you know, renovations and you're trying to bring some new character into it, but you're also uh, trying to honor the history of it. What are those conversations like to make sure that you are, um, you know, keeping the identity the same of the park, but it's something where, uh, you know, you're you're still able to modernize?
4: Yeah, definitely. I I think one of the conversations with the event center was always how do we incorporate this new modern thing while also what's the word? Uh while also, you know, keeping that tradition in the ballpark. And I and I think when you look at the event center, the brick facade on the outside uh is very much that kind of old school feel because the bricks have always been a big thing here. And on the inside, actually, uh on the inside of that main event space, there's going to be bricks that are laid that were installed and laid that were actually the original bricks from the ballpark when it opened in 1951. Uh, So that keeps that old timey And Even when you step into the event center, it's new, it's modern, but it still has that, you know, you don't feel like you're forgetting the past. And another cool thing is like the doors to enter the event center are actually going to have pictures of the four players that have had their numbers retired here. Uh, Schmidt, Sandberg, uh, forgetting the last to the top of my head, but Mike Schmidt, Ryan Sandberg are two of them. Uh, um, but yeah, the four Jim numbers Bunning, that we've retired Jim Bunning and uh, Robin Roberts, Jim Bunning and Robin Roberts. Thank you. So, yeah, so those four are going to be uh, on the doors, walking into the event center. Of course, you know, the video board, it's going to be brand new and modern uh, along with the bullpens. Uh, but the nice thing about the stadium is, you know, when you look at it. Yeah. There's the outfield, all these new additions, but all the classic, Group areas, picnic areas, like they're all the same. They're all still here. Uh, The seating, all those traditional things are still here. So we've done a really good job as an organization of improving, getting better, modernizing, but still keeping that like old time touch there that, you know, if you're looking for that nostalgia feel, you're still going to get that when you come here.
2: Yeah. And it's a beloved ballpark. You know, I've made no secret through the years that it's one of my favorites. Part of that's some Pennsylvania bias, having grown up, you know, about an hour away from the ballpark. Um, so people are protective and rightfully so of historic ballparks and not wanting them to see them change too much. I mean, what has the uh, feedback from the fans been like so far? Is there some, a little wariness or skepticism that, you know, the character of the ballpark will be changed or, you know,
4: how, how do you kind of navigate that tightrope? Yeah, it's been really, really positive, which has been really cool to see from our our fan base. And of course, you're always going to have the few here and there who might not love it. But I I think the nice thing is, too, that obviously since the event center is opening this year, it was still present in the outfield, at least the outside of it last year. So I think a lot of fans who maybe still needed to warm up to it had that opportunity to do so last year. But the nice thing about these upgrades, it's not it isn't something where you have to, you know, you you don't have to, I don't want to use the word embrace, but have to use them, right? Like if the event center or something you look at and it's like, I love that, I want to use that, then like, you know, you definitely can. But if you're someone who's been coming to games for 40 years, you get your, you know, eight, $9 general admission ticket, you come to your 10 or 15 games, you you get a hot dog, soda, a beer, and you sit in your general admission seat and you've been doing that for 40 years, like you can keep doing that. Or if you've been a season ticket holder, and you've had the same seats for 20 years, like, you can keep doing that. You know, these, these additions are nice that it's like, you know, if people want to embrace it. If people want to use it, they can. But if they're people who, you know, more traditional and they want to stick with what they've done for 15, 20 plus years, uh, they absolutely can. And, and I and I think, you know, the other big ones, obviously the video board, uh, you know, that's been another one that's gotten a lot of positive reception so far. And that's, you know, a case of, you know, technology continues to advance. Obviously, we want to continue to advance in the times and our new video board uh, is going to reflect that. But like I said, like the layout of the stadium, you know, the pool, left field picnic area, our general admission seating. Like if you looked at a picture of the stadium in 1985, like all those main things, like main grandstand, like it's still here, press box, you know, it's still here. So it, it's it's a cool mix of old and new. And if you just, you know, want to focus on the old, you can. If you want to focus on the new, you can. If you want to match the best of both worlds, you can too. And it's kind of set up where you get the opportunity to uh, do both. Yeah. And you mentioned weddings at this event space. And I read in the press
2: release, there's even like a bridal suite area built in within it. So, um, you know, I think my final question is, has anyone gotten married there yet? or there's some weddings booked? Um, will we see love in Reading in 2024? <laughs>
4: I mean, that's the hope. Uh and uh no, no weddings yet. Uh we are hoping to uh start having weddings as you know early as this summer. Uh you know, bookings just opened up a couple of weeks back when the press release went out. Uh we we've had some you've had a lot of inquiries so far, uh so we know that space is gonna fill pretty quickly out there. Uh so yeah, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun to see some weddings get out there. Uh I know there's people the option if they wanna have the altar turn home plate they can have, you know, a slideshow on the video board they can, even we can have the lights turn, you know, if the theme of your wedding is blue, the lights can turn blue and reflect on the field, uh, the night of your wedding too, as long as it's not on a game day. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, you know, optimistic. that We're going to see, you know, plenty of love here in Reading and lots of weddings in the event center here moving forward. Uh, once, you know,
1: events really start to fill in. It's got to be the Reading loving fills when that happens, right?
2: Yeah, there you go. Right. Specialty, exactly.
1: jersey, tuxedos, something like that. There's, True. there's all sorts of possibilities.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can be like the Las Vegas or Reno of uh, minor league ballparks, you know, have people just fall in love at the game, get a quick license and just get married on the spot, you know, in and out. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. But uh, also some more planned and thoughtful uh, nuptials at the ballpark is uh, – uh, and I'm looking forward to visiting again. It's been a few years since I've been there. And um, again, Reading is one of the best places to see a game. So interested to see all the improvements and how they're incorporated. Um, and appreciate you taking the time to fill us in. So Jake Starr with the Fighting Fills, Phils. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the show before the show
4: podcast. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Happy to chat about the event center. And Ben, looking forward to seeing you out here at a game this year.
0: Interrupt this podcast to bring you another thrilling edition of Ghosts of the Miners. Now, here's your correspondent and host, Joshua Jackson.
5: Welcome back to Ghosts of the Miners, in which all of you out there in Radio Land must identify the legitimate historical ballclub or player hiding amidst the fraudulent pair. One once patrolled the outfield. The others only patrol the outside of reality. In the last segment, I asked you which of the following minor league baseball players did at one time exist. A. Sailor Insatiable B. Timmy Tims. C. Joseph Moore Joseph You've got it just right if you picked C. Joseph Moore Joseph, who played nine minor league seasons across 11 years in the middle of the 20th century. Moore Joseph would have been a tough ask with a career that long. He played at nearly 800 professional games. And yet there was even Moore Joseph to be had. When Joseph Moore Joseph was playing for the Canadian American League's Gloversville Johnston Glovers in 1942, the Glovers had a fan by the name of Joseph Joseph. Joseph Joseph reportedly offered Joseph Moore Joseph one dollar for every home run he hit that season. In other words, more homers meant more money for Joseph More Joseph, less for Joseph Joseph. By season's end, Joseph Joseph owed Joseph More Joseph a fifth of a Benjamin, or a lone crumpled Jackson. But enough about me. (laughs) If that anecdote of Joseph Joseph and Joseph More Joseph just wasn't enough for you, here's even more More Joseph joshing for every man jack of you. In 1941, the season before Joseph More Joseph met Joseph Joseph, Joseph Moore-Joseph had played for St. Joseph and St. Joseph, and then even more St. Joseph. Moore-Joseph opened 41 with the Michigan State League St. Joseph Autos, then moved up to the Western Association's St. Joseph Ponies in Missouri, then was sent back from M.O. to M.I. In relaying the chain of transactions, the Joplin Globe jabbed, That may not sound funny, but try reading it aloud with your mouth full of hot mashed potatoes. Okay, here goes. Joseph R. Joseph, over 1941, when the Michigan State League St. Joseph Autos, was then promoted to the Western Association St. Joseph Ponies, and then was flipped back from St. Joseph to St. Joseph. <laughs> that may not sound funny, but my reading of Albus of is a hot mashed potato. <laughs> <coughs> Indeed, Moore Joseph was no stranger to taters. Some horses have him hitting as many as 40 homers in 1941, and he belted a minimum of 20 in at least four different seasons. Moore Joseph might have had more jacks had it not been for World War II. Joseph Moore Joseph seems to have spent 42 to 45 not as a G.I. Joe, but with many other Tom, Dick, and Harrys in the Coast Guard. His service included at least one stint playing for the Guards San Francisco Surf Riders Ball Club. But even after the war, and even after he underwent an appendectomy at age 29 before the 1949 season, Moore-Joseph hadn't had enough. In 1950, he appeared in 13 games for the Western International League's Victoria Athletics before finally appearing satisfied. And that's how Joseph Moore-Joseph gave it his all. Now on to the question for next time. Which of these teams sought to field generational talent in the minors of yesteryear? A, the Kilgore Boomers. B the Dresden Millennials. C, the Fort Riley Exers. Want to know the answer? Act your age. Or tune to the next Ghosts of the Miners. But for now, you'll have to excuse me. My producer, Ben Hill, is preparing for a limbo contest, and I'm going to bend over backwards to help him. <laughs> ¶¶
0: Well, huge thanks to uh to mike claire and to jake star for joining us on this week's episode of the show before the show and uh that'll do it pitchers and catchers start reporting next week
1: next week say that with a mouthful of mashed potatoes though please
0: <laughs> i'm gonna give that a shot next <laughs> week, i'll give that a shot
1: yeah uh um, tremendous
0: shot by jo- josh jackson this week on, I
1: mean, on ghost of the Miners. just a real
0: bang up episode, uh, episode,
1: one sorry. of my favorites by far
0: Also, uh, his wife, Ella, one of our favorite people. She's been under the weather this week. Feel better, Ella. We love you. Uh, Have Addie and Olive, your new puppy and kitten, uh, just smother you with love, and that will help you feel better. Uh, And then send them our way so they can smother us with love, because they're adorable. Um, Stay away so from your
2: husband because he has a mouthful of mashed potatoes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep him away. He's like,
0: at least until he's done with the mashed potatoes. Uh, all right, well, for Benjamin Hill, Sam Dykes, or Josh Jackson, and everyone else at myob.com and MLB Pipeline, my name is Tyler Vaughn. We'll catch you next week.